With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Batter Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 60 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my co-host, Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. How are you tonight? I am doing much better than I was earlier in the night. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> with, that, with that lovely, lovely walk-off storybook win. Yes. Yes, that was very good. Evil parts, wonderful, and messy, and dramatic. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Linda Cerevich is on vacation this week, so it's just the two of us, and uh, we're going to have to hustle because we have a lot of ground to cover because some logistical things got in the way of us recording a podcast on our normal Tuesday night, and so we, so many things have happened. This is literally oh just going to be a Mets-only episode. We're sorry, everyone, but so many Woo-hoo! Mets things have happened that, since the last time we recorded that it's just been, it's been a very crazy roller coaster this past like week and a half or so of Mets it world. has in all aspects but especially in Mets aspects especially in Mets aspects and I don't think our listeners will mind us talking about the Mets the entire time no I don't think so either so <laughs> I guess like the, I guess we'll just kind of go like almost reverse chronologically so like what just happened was pretty wild so the Mets just had um a 
so we're again we're recording this on Thursday night, September third, uh, at eight around eight thirty p.m. And so the Mets just finished their four o'clock start game against the Yankees. That was a makeup of the uh, games earlier um, in late August because of reasons that we'll get into later. But um, so this is the last of that crazy Yankee series that the Mets had to make up, and um, the Mets walked off the Yankees again. Yeah, via the home run, and so the Mets had the Mets had never hit a walk off homer against the Yankees before, and this year they hit two of them, which is wild. I love it. I also love that this, like, now that you just mentioned that this game had a four o'clock start, I completely forgot it had a four o'clock start. This is such, in many ways, an fu Manfred game. Yes, it was with the length of the game, with the the extra inning runner on second. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a pretty crazy like end of the game because the Mets were able to get to Chapman, but um, Billy Hamilton. <laughs> oh God, you had one job, Billy you had Hamilton. One, you had one job, Billy Hamilton. So the Mets, you know, are down a run um, in the oh. ninth inning, in the bottom of the ninth inning, and Billy Hamilton get, is is pinch running, and he gets to second base. And it's like, okay, great. You've done your job. You are now in scoring position. You are the tying run. There is nobody out. Stay he tries there. to steal third base and gets thrown out, which is like Keith Keith almost Keith. had like a stroke. A heart, like a yeah, fundies induced in stroke. Because he literally just said right before it, um, well, actually, he said it's like third is easier to steal in second. I was like, oh, no, don't say that. Don't even put that into the universe. Don't put that. And he put it into the universe. And then Hamilton tried to steal third and failed spectacularly. And then Keith was just good grief. Yeah, it was it, it was very wild. Keith reaction. So, yeah. So Hamilton made the, the first out at third base, which is a big, big no-no. And then J.D. Davis hit a home run, which is awesome, and tied the game, but the Mets should have just walked it off in the ninth. Um, yeah. But they didn't because Billy Hamilton was no longer on base. So it's a tie game, goes to extra innings, and of course we got the weird freaking extra inning rule. Um, Edwin Diaz um, is pitching and uh, his second straight inning. And so, obviously, with a, with a runner starting on second base, Edwin Diaz, that's a, usually all, a recipe for disaster. We're um, all wary. But the Yankees committed an equally um, offensive uh, base running blunder when where Tyler Wade, uh, who, who hit the ball that Tyler Wade was thrown out on? I honestly, I, I don't remember. remember. Let me look at the box. There was uh, a sharp There was a sharp liner to, to right field. Top 10. Um, yeah, DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu, <laughs> that's right. DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> DJ LeMahieu had a sharp liner to right field, and Tyler Wade, like, bro- like it was hit, like, sharply enough that Tyler Wade thought it was going to, like, either drop or, like, go into the gap, and so Tyler Wade took off, but then he just got doubled off second base, which was awesome, and so yes. the Yankees, you know, made a huge boo-boo themselves, and then Pete Alonso hit an absolutely towering shot in the bottom of the tenth. A walk off, um, a walk off lead off to run homer. Very weird to say that. <laughs> but I just want to say I think Dom Smith on second base also gave him some confidence. Um, I'm just talking about intangibles and completely ridiculous things that you can't quantify but i would like to just run with that narrative that dominic smith gave him some confidence from second base too (laughs) 
I mean, I'd like to believe that too. That, yeah, it's, uh, it was just a great way to, you know, and of course, like the Mets were um, obviously in a rough place emotionally. They were honoring Tom Seaver, who, and that's like our, obviously our biggest agenda item for this evening is that um, Tom Seaver passed away. We learned of this news last night, um, which is really upsetting and just like a devastating blow to the Mets community. He was the greatest Met to ever put on the uniform and arguably the best right-handed pitcher to ever, to ever play. Um, You know, it's, it's one of those things where like you and I are too young to have ever seen Seaver, but yes. we're, but we've heard, we've heard the legends and we've heard the stories and seen the clips. And like, I have the book, the art of pitching right in front of me, Tom Seaver with Lilo and fish. And oh my gosh. And Nolan Ryan is talking about the fastball and stuff. And I'm really excited to talk about this a little bit and read it. Um, after this, obviously, but he's just, you hear so much about him. You hear how many complete games he had shutouts, uh, his delivery, his form. And I think the Mets did a really wonderful job honoring him tonight with the, um, dirt on the right knee. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, in honor of his pitching form. So that was a really nice, um, starting tribute. I imagine there will be many more in the coming days and weeks. Yep, and the tip of the cap, and, you know, it was it was all very lovely what the Mets yes. did. And it's just, yeah, like, you and I are too young to have actually seen Seaver pitch in person, um, but we've seen the clips and we're of the generation that sort of grew up with with our parents' generation. We're the generation who for whom Tom Seaver was their hero. Yeah. And so you hear that in Gary Cohen's voice on the broadcast, how he's, like, basically crying when he's talking about Tom Seaver. And I think a lot of people his same age of my parents' generation feel that way. I know my dad does. Like, Tom Seaver is far and away my dad's favorite baseball player ever. (laughs) And so, like, you know, it was really special to share that with him growing up as a young Mets fan and, like, he like he's the name you learn from birth as a Mets fan he is the name you learn like he is he's the franchise for a reason there will Mm -hmm. never be another Met that lives up to his legacy ever as long as the game is played there will never be another Met like Tom Seaver and it just makes me like it's so sad obviously like you feel overwhelming sadness but I I also feel angry at this organization for the millionth time screwing up the most basic thing which is honoring their franchise player when he was still alive (laughs) and in public life they never they never got him a statue the the Seaver way thing came way too late it's like yes they're doing this stuff now and it's good it's better than not doing it obviously at all yeah but I I should be done but like it should have been done long ago <laughs> it but it's it's angering but at the same time it kind of fits with how the Mets handled Tom Seaver even when he was with the organization right I mean kind of leaving him unprotected trading him away I mean oh god he should have been a lifetime Met and he was not right right exactly it's just so it's so frustrating so it's it's frustrating but it's in line it's, with what they've done yeah it's their mo it's like this is exactly what you know dom Seaver's legacy with the mets was like when he was alive um mm-hmm. and it's just yeah it's it, it sucks it's because, a shame because like he deserved to have a crowd a like sold out city field crowd adoring him 
and giving him the send off that he deserved the way that David Wright got. He deserved yeah. what David Wright got. And yes. he never got that. Well, he deserved that when he from like, you know, the time he retired from public life, he deserved that. He deserved a statue unveiling and a Tom Seaver day at City Field with the the stadium completely sold out. And now it's just kind of it's almost like weirdly chilling how this year there are no fans at the games at all. And this is when he passes away, when they can't even do anything for him, really. Um, they plan to unveil the statue early next year, apparently, um, and good, better late than never. I hope it's a, I hope it's giant. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's sad. It's sad. And it is. And it's sad that he won't be able to enjoy it. However, I think on the flip side of that, he continues to live on in so many people's memories. And I've seen so many tributes from players and so many comments from fans just sharing their memories of him that, I, I, I don't know, to me that makes more of an impression and leaves me with more of an impression than like say a statue would or, or, tr or like making him a lifetime match, which should have been done anyway, or but like kind of treating him like, I don't know. I don't know what the word, like, I guess, oh my God, I'm really lost for words tonight. Um, but I think, I just, I think him living on in the memory of fans is a much more lasting thing because you'll see the emotions and the joy that he brought to so many people and the um, baseball players and pitchers that he inspired and just the skill he had that people can try to match. So I think that legacy, in a way, is much more lasting, I guess. Yeah, for Does sure. Does that make sense? For sure. I'm, I'm just like, I'm kind of word vomiting right now. No, so. no, I'm with you. I agree. I agree. It's definitely a more, you know, living tribute, I guess you could put it that yes, way. Yes, that's, that's, that's kind of the phrase I was looking for, a living tribute. And I kind of like that because you have a lot of different perspectives on it. Yeah. Um, and like, especially, I mean, I was reading the amazing Avenue comments this morning on, um, sh the share your favorite Tom Seaver memory post. I'm glad and Chris put that post up because I think that people really responded to it and it's they are. And we're, we're seeing so many positive memories. And I think especially right now, um, in this time of chaos and time of where we're kind of all in this negative state of mind, having, all these memories to share these great memories to share is something that can unite us. And it comes, it, it's, it, it comes from a moment of sadness, but in a way we can have all of these happy memories together. I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. And like reading all the, all the tributes and all the words from people who knew him across baseball on Twitter last night was really powerful. Um, from both like former Mets, current Mets, you know, obviously our broadcast team who knew him well, um, all sorts of people was was really powerful. And I think that like, you know, people who obviously every mostly everyone who listens to this podcast is really familiar with the Mets and their history. But yes. for people who aren't necessarily as familiar who just know that Tom Seaver was like a Met who pitched really well and is in the Hall of Fame it goes so much deeper than that because really, he took really, the Mets sorry. from a joke 
to a franchise that was seen as legitimate in the eyes of baseball and the eyes of other yes. teams. Um, and that's the, the biggest legacy he leaves. Force behind. of will. Right, exactly. And the sheer force of his pitching. Ugh. Yeah. Which is why, like, that's what sets him apart from every other, like, great Met that has ever been. And there have been other great Mets, none as great yeah. as him because of that, mostly. I mean, um, I'm on base- I'm on baseball reference right now. Just statistics-wise, Tom Seaver is number one with 78.8 career BWAR. And next up is David Wright with 49.2. Right. He so doesn't that even come close to touching Seaver. Doesn't even, no, doesn't even come close. And I think that we all hope that Jacob deGrom, I mean, like, it's pretty obvious by now that Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher the Mets have had since Seaver. And... Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how long Jacob deGrom pitches, he still will never achieve the career war that Tom Seaver did as a Met. Um, it, oh, which he is, pitches for, like, the next 10 years. Which is mind-blowing, like, considering we've watched Jacob deGrom in the peak of his career be, you know, brilliant day in, day out. And I remember, like, I have a few particular, like, Tom Seaver, like, adjacent or related memories. Obviously, again, like, you know, I never got to see him pitch, but that doesn't mean I don't have memories associated with him. And one of them was, like, I barely even remember what game it was, but I just remember I was watching, I was in my um, living room with my parents watching another brilliant Jacob deGrom start. And I just remember asking my dad, like, is this what it was like? to watch Tom Seaver and he was like yeah exactly like this just like every day you just expect him to be brilliant and you take it for granted um that he's gonna be great every time um so that's one thing um the other the other memories I have associated with Seaver that I'm gonna remember forever are um well I was at last day of Shea um and watching Tom Seaver throw a pitch to Mike Piazza sitting next to my dad is something that yeah, oh my god that's that's memory. an amazing memory yeah that's just like a, a fandom defining memory for oh me. my god that's that's wonderful yeah it was Glad really you have great. that it was really great and then um i actually met tom siever when i was a teenager um no way. my dad so f- um for his birthday we took him to a a Tom Seaver like autograph signing he was having like a a random autograph signing at a sporting goods store in Westfield (laughs) that is now closed (laughs) it's been closed for many years now but like um yeah he was just randomly having a signing at like this mom and pop sporting goods store in Westfield New Jersey and um we put my dad in the car we didn't tell him where we were going um we just said we're going to take you to a birthday surprise and it was the Tom Seaver autograph signing so that was really awesome and obviously my dad still has that um Tom Seaver signed photo that he got that day um so that was cool like it was one of those moments where like you know I'm a teenager I forget how old I was I must have been like 14 or 15 and I'm just like there's Tom Seaver like sitting right there and it's just like one of those like larger than life moments where it's like uh and you're just like totally dumbstruck and like speechless where you're like that's Tom Seaver oh my god I think I called him sir which I think made him laugh (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Like, thank you, sir, for signing my picture. <laughs> <laughs> How'd your dad react? Um, he like my dad is like a very stoic type, so he doesn't like betray how he feels, but I think he was pretty psyched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's stoic except when he watches the Mets, so that's like the only time he emotionally expresses himself. <laughs> he emotes. Yep. Well, um, I mean the Mets will do that to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good and bad. Hard to blame him. 
Um, so yeah, it's been it's been an emotional roller coaster, but I can think of no better way for the Mets to honor Tom Seaver than to do what they did before the game tonight and then to do what they did on the field and walk off the Yankees in fantastic fashion and to beat the Orioles last night. Um, you know, very fitting that that's the team they beat um, on the night that we learned the news of Tom Seaver's passing um, yeah. when the Mets were the victors over the Orioles in the 1969 World Series. In the 1969 World Series. World Series. Those Miracle Mets. Those Miracle Mets, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's been it's been a rough week. Um, it's not just Tom Seaver. It's you know, Mets have had a lot going on. Um, oh my God, have they ever? It feels like <laughs> literally twenty years ago. But we have to talk about the uh, Brody Van Wagen and hot mic incident, which you know oh. happened. When did it happen? I'm gonna check the date on the I tweet. Think it was. I actually think it was a week ago. Yeah, it I was August twenty seventh. It was August twenty seventh. So six days ago. AKA 20 years ago. (laughs) But basically um, this was the context of this was that it was amidst the whole, um, the players striking in response to racial injustice. And we're going to have, I hope that we can have like a whole separate pod about that and about baseball's reckoning with, and you know, the the watershed moment we're having in sports right now um, with response to what's happening around the country and racial injustice and all of those issues. Um, And I want to have, you know, a guest that can speak to that better than us two white women can. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have a whole separate pod about that. Um, you know, when we can have someone who can speak to it better than we can. In the meantime, you should absolutely read those folks' words and don't take our word for it. Read, you know, read Bradford William Davis, read Shake, read, you know. Read Andrew McCutcheon's Amazing Players yes. Tribune article. Um, oh, my God. What's the title? of Why am I blanking on the title? Shame on me. I just read it the other day. <sighs> Hang on. I got to look this up. Oh, my God. My brain is just so tired right now. I'm sorry. Um, nope, that's his Pittsburgh. Thank you. Um, I want to say, what was the, what was the, you, he definitely wrote one though. Left out. That's what it was called. Left out, left out by Andrew McCutcheon. And I think we, I'll link this tomorrow on our Twitter account. I'm going to be linking some things on. T- I might take over the Twitter account tomorrow. Maybe that's Do what I'll it. take over the, t- the Twitter account for a live like game. Account. Yes, absolutely. I'll be, like we- posting pictures and posting articles. Yes, please do. Of good reads. Yep, that'd be awesome. Yeah, 
definitely take over the Twitter. Um, so yeah, but like you should read their words and not ours about that. Um, but in the meantime, that's just providing context to this whole Birdie Van Wagenen situation, which is yes. basically like the Mets and the Marlins at the time they were playing the Marlins, the Mets and the Marlins were deciding whether to play um, in the aftermath of some teams deciding not to play um, and striking. So the Mets were deciding whether to play. And um, apparently like, I guess this was like before the pregame press conference and the mic was on in the room, but no one was in the room besides Brody Van Wagen and like two unidentified like other members of the front office that he was talking to. Um, and Brody Van Wagen was caught saying, and I have the full quote in front of me, baseball's trying to come up with a solution to say, you know what would be super powerful? Three of us here can't leave this room. So that's like an aside to the guys he's talking to. You know what would be really great if you just have them all take the field and then they leave the field and they come back and play at pl- and play at eight ten and I was like what unidentified voice who said that Van Wagenen Rob and with Jeff scheduling is going to be a nightmare and there's so much at stake and I said Jeff that's not happening and then the unidentified voice says they're not dealing with reality Van Wagenen says. They're not playing, but that's Rob's instinct. And Rob, exactly what you and I were talking about, at the leadership level, he just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. Anyway, we're waiting. Jeff wants to hear. As soon as we hear from the Marlins, whatever, we do need to coordinate with the Marlins. So as soon as Conforto hears from Rojas, Miguel Rojas, let me know because Jeff is standing by for that call. So for context of this, Michael Conforto and Miguel Rojas are the two player reps for the Mets and Marlins, respectively. So they're the ones kind of talking and negotiating on behalf of their respective teams about like kind of coming to an agreement about what to do. And in this quote, it seems it seems like Brody Van Wagen is essentially like dragging Rob Manfred and like roasting him for like being tone deaf about the whole situation because Rob Manfred wants the team to like do this like performative strike and like walk off the field, but then play the game anyway. And Brody Van Wagenen's like, no, they're not going to do that. You're totally tone deaf. Like, come on, man. And so that was the whole situation. But obviously that is, I mean, I love it because obviously, like, we all know how this podcast stands on Rob Manfred. But um, it makes Brody Van Wagenen, you know, it puts him in a really tough spot because talking shit about the commissioner when you're a general manager is a big no-no. So that was, you know, kind of a fun moment that that was just, like, caught on audio. And then the Mets, like, released a statement afterwards, which things got even more bizarre kind of after that. Yeah. Um, So Fred and and Jeff Wilpon, who are obviously made a point to say that they're close personal friends of Rob Manfred, because of course. Of course. Um, That's what (laughs) you guys, like you need to understand how much Fred and Jeff Wilpon are stooges. Like they are friends with the commissioner, personal friends with the commissioner. <laughs> so you wonder why they act the way they do. Um, but anyway, I mean, this is how they hung on to the team this long. So, yep, exactly. Exactly. They scratch the commissioner's back and the commissioner scratches theirs. Um, so they both, by the way, both of, in both of their statements, they spelled Brody Van Wagen in wrong. So I think that they did that. Which on purpose. Is- yeah, I also think they did that on purpose. And the whole thing was that with that is that Brody came out and said afterwards that he miscontextualized um, his comments because he thought Rob said something that Rob didn't say, Manfred didn't say, um, and that it was Jeff that said it. So the whole thing just was very bizarre. Um, I personally liked how Brody really stood up for his players and by the by that whole 
um, quote, at a leadership level, Manfred just doesn't get it. It sounds like he said that. That's not the first time he said that. Right, right. Um, like, it's clear that's how he feels. Yeah, which is not surprising from, like, what we've seen as fans. I can't imagine how um, it is dealing with it at a general manager level. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And so I'll, read, it's, it's, I'll the, read the Fred and Jeff statement. So Fred yeah. said... I'm very stressed and disappointed to learn tonight that our general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, made disrespectful and inaccurate comments about our commissioner, a longtime close friend of mine. Like, God, Jesus Christ. Um, oh my God. I hold Rob in the highest regard, and in no way are Brody's remarks reflective of my views or the organization's. And that second Brody was spelled with a Y. Um, and so, yeah. And then, and then, uh, Rob continues to be a great leader of Major League Baseball. I apologize for any harm this incident caused Rob. Like, uh, it's just like, yikes. It's so, just yikes. I think that the thing that like got me the most about these statements, um, and I'll get to Jeff's statement in a minute because it goes into what Kellyanne was saying about how they're trying to, they're trying to say it was Jeff's idea instead of Rob's idea to get heat off of Rob Manfred. But yeah. What I'll first say is I think the thing that struck me most about this statement is that, like, we've seen time and time again throughout baseball when, like, somebody screws up. And this is just sports in general, not just baseball. And, like, you know, let's be real, our society. When somebody does something, like, unfathomably bad, and I'm not saying what Brody Van Wagenen did is unfathomably bad, to be clear. But, like... In the context of the situation, it's, like, nothing. It, it It's completely distracting, actually, from the actual point. When 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 people do actual when organizations do actual bad things like for example cheating or <laughs> having players like be suspended for domestic violence and like actual things or like you know Josh Hader's racist tweets like things like that that are actually bad have you noticed how shitty the apolo- the apologies are at all times like they never apologize to the people that they actually harm when Tom no. Brenneman says a, a homophobic if there is slur. An apology. Yeah, if there is an apology at all. When Tom Brenneman says a homophobic slur on the air, it's about him and it's not about the people he harmed. Except in this instance, literally Fred Wilpon apologizes explicitly for any harm this has caused Rob Manfred. Like, are you fucking kidding me? For once they're doing like a correct apology, but they're apologizing to Rob Manfred when this is not about Rob Manfred. It's about racial injustice and sports reckoning with that and they're like we're sorry for the harm that these awful remarks caused rob manfred like i, I and like it, it it was especially like insulting to me to, to the players who are trying to handle this in in a way that they know how to do it because they want they want to rec- recognize this and call attention to it in a way that that they know how to do but now you have either Jeff Wilpon Rob Manfred or both of them I will maintain that it's I totally believe that it was both of them um and the Wilpons are just falling on their sword for this because they're on their way out the door yep um just kind of insulting the players in a way as well that are trying to bring attention to this cause Absolutely. And that goes to Jeff Wilpon's statement as well, because because uh, Fred Wilpon's statement doesn't actually mention the context of it at all. 
No, um, of the not. fact of what what caused this in the first place is that the players were trying to decide whether to play um, for a very important reason. But here's here's Jeff Wilpon's statement to clear up any misunderstandings. It was my suggestion to potentially look into playing the game later because of scheduling issues. Brody's misunderstanding of a private conversation wasn't is inexcusable. We fully respect our players and the Marlins players decisions to not play tonight and appreciate the sincerity of all those who wish to draw attention to social injustices and racial inequities inequalities i'm sorry that must be addressed the entire mets organization remains committed to creating meaningful change in our society so jeff wilpon mentions that as like an afterthought they both yeah, center well, the harm that this caused rob manfred which like ugh, i can't and they both spell brody's name wrong and well, the way jeff they talk wilpon. about brody and how like it's inexcusable it, like the sincerity of this apology like he did something horrible and yeah. like why haven't you fired him then? If you really, if you're going to put forth language this strong and use words like inexcusable and, you know, disappointed and stressed and like disrespectful and the comments were inaccurate, like how is he still your general manager? How is he still your general manager at the trading deadline when the Mets were making all these deals? Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, I'm obviously like, I don't want, I don't want him fired over this. I mean, I no. don't think he's very good at his job, but that's no, a they, I mean, I matter. like, I think we all have issues with Brody Van Wagenen's general manage management. Um, but I, again, he was an agent first. So I think he also knows how to come down on the side of the players. And right. I think we did see that in this situation and that kind of, that like, I was really, I, I, th- I think it was one of like the I've, I've got, my level of respect. I gained a little more respect for. <laughs> this is the, this is the best I felt about Brody Van Wagenen during his entire tenure as general manager. I was like, I've been frustrated with him, but you know what? Oh my god, this is just like he because he was just so. He was. I don't want to say he was like so passionate about it, but like it was like he he's the players have made this decision. I'm backing them, them up on this. I agree with them. And Rob Manfred has it wrong in this instance. And like, he was not coming off of that point. Um, so to see him have the players backs on that, um, whether he misunderstood the context of the conversation was nice to say. Right. And like, I just, yeah, I think that like Brody, you know, (sighs) I, I was the whole time that he's been general manager, I kind of thought he was like this empty suit type character. And it's good to know that there's something in there. Yes. It's good to know that he has a little gumption and that he I mean, isn't I, just like a stooge. I mean, and I think I think he's a good agent. Yeah. And I, he was clearly good at that job. Yeah, he was he was great at that job. Um, this one is not as great. Um, but it's just, it's nice to see that he has the players backs. Yeah. Yeah. And And actually, I think we've also seen that. I'm going to segue into the trades a little bit now. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen that in the trade deadline moves, especially with the deal for Todd Frazier, because Todd Frazier makes no sense positionally on this team, but he is kind of a great clubhouse guy. Yeah. Again, small sample size, but I think we've seen that over the past two days. You know how the Mets um, love their dudes that I, they're familiar with. Also, I mean, I and I am going way against 
the general mainstream opinion here. I love that we traded. I hate that we traded for him, but I'm glad he's back on the team. Oh, I'm totally fine with it. Like, I um, mean, like it's so I guess it remains to be seen because it's a player to be named later. So we don't actually know yet what the Mets gave up. But like, yes. usually a player to be named later is not going to be any sort of like blockbuster name. Um, so as long as it's like, you know, a flyer guy that like wasn't, you know, one of our main prospects, I'm totally fine with the Frazier trade. It's fine. Like, yeah, whatever. The trades that they did on the whole were fine. Although Chirinos is just like when you have Ramos, he's the same guy. I don't really understand. Yeah. Like the like kind of bad defensive catcher who's like struggling with the bat is like basically what Wilson Ramos has been this season. But Chirinos has an option for next year so oh see I didn't that's what I didn't know I I really other than Todd Frazier I know nothing about Miguel Castro I know nothing about Robinson Chirinos and I haven't had time to read up on them yet so I mean I'm no talent evaluator obviously um there are people who are much more well-versed in like prospect evaluation and trade evaluation that can speak to this than I can but I am probably more familiar with Miguel Castro than most Met fans are because he was on the Orioles. Orioles on the O's. Um, (laughs) And I mean, you saw exactly like tonight, you saw exactly what he is. He's a very, like he, he has a live arm. He has great stuff, electric stuff, but his control is extremely inconsistent. Um, Think Edwin Diaz, but like not as high profile or good as Edwin Diaz. Um, you know, like he's got. Say, how old is he? He's young. He's like twenty. Oh, he's twenty-five. He's twenty-five years old. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Okay. Yeah, he's young. Ah. Um. So yeah. So he's like a. You know, he's like a guy that like has a pretty high ceiling. Like he could develop into like a legitimate. Like I wouldn't say like ever like closer level like reliever, but like he could he could develop into like a legitimate like seventh or eighth inning guy. A solid middle inning reliever. Yes. Um. But. And I'll he's take got it. Really good stuff, but yeah, he his it's it's all over the place. He doesn't know where it's going half the time. Um, so yeah, um, and he he had a rough time on the Orioles a lot uh, of the time because you know that stadium's not the best, most forgiving stadium uh, to pitch in. So maybe <laughs> City Field will be kinder to him. Um, yes, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fine with that move as well. I mean, like Kevin Smith is a prospect. Uh, is is a pitching prospect so the Mets did kind of give up a pitcher for a pitcher but you know obviously Miguel Castro is already in the majors and Kevin Smith was not yet major league ready and they're kind of like opposite type relievers like Kevin Smith doesn't throw hard at all but is like a control guy like kind of paint the corners like bite like nibble with your like not so great stuff 88 mile per hour fastball type guy is my understanding so it's kind of like very different flavors of reliever um but yeah that's that's Miguel Castro I mean the moves are fine but they're not gonna like if the Mets are going for it they didn't do a very good job yeah they didn't do they didn't really do anything to put them over the edge unless Todd Frazier's energy and zeal just kind of pushes them forward and I honest part of me like thinks Todd Frazier was brought in to kind of get a few of the struggling players like Alonzo and McNeil, um, kind of get them back on track in yeah. a way. Yeah. I mean, I know, like it he... is, 
like it always is with the Mets. My issue is not that the Mets went and got brought Todd Frazier back. I love Todd Frazier. I have no problem with Todd Frazier. Yes. The issue is, is that Todd Frazier is inevitably going to bat clean up way more than he should and yes. take at bats away from Andres Jimenez <laughs> is, oh. the, is the problem. And Luis Guillorme. And Luis Guillorme. Like we're never seeing Luis Guillorme again. And he was doing great. So it's like, that's kind of the problem. It's not like- I will- it's not oh. Todd Frazier's presence. I love Todd Frazier's presence on the team. It's more that he's just going to like play way too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that neither Guillaume nor Jimenez were sent down, so to speak, or sent to the alternate site. I'm sorry. Yeah, There's no minor league games this year. <laughs> that's I can't sign. keep up with the lingo anymore. Well, optioned would be the right. Yes. They, they, they still use an option when they do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is good. Um, that's good. But yeah, the trade deadline moves were, you know, they were moves and none of them are spectacular, but they're things that they did. But they're moves. They're things that happened. They're things that happened. <laughs> um, so the, the trade deadline all happened. So like, we still haven't covered the uh, the whole Yankee series before tonight's game. Which oh was- yeah no I completely segued I'm looking at our notes oh yeah no it's fine segued. we're all over the place it's totally fine but it's crazy because since the last time we podcasted the Mets had four other insane games against oh, the Yankees God um, so they had a double header sweep on Friday which was so nice which was punctuated with the Ahmed Rosario walk-off homer so like you know the first of the two walk-offs against the Yankees um they had that and then like and they came from behind and they had the like you know the Pete Alonzo homer the Dom Smith homer like all the good stuff but then Sunday they coughed Oof. up a five-run lead in Ugh. the first game of in that doubleheader most- atrocious manner it was just excruciatingly bad and like and and then they and then they lost the other game too so they were swept on sunday and so it kind of like took all the good feelings from friday and just like wiped them out and then some like it was just it, it, that that first game that, of the double that header first was, game was just that was kind of like that was a stab in the gut that game that was the worst um, just especially the especially since you had two errors um by andres jimenez yeah, I was like, "Oh, honey, I know you're young, but come on, you should know better." I know. I mean, like, he's not a third baseman, like natural third baseman. Um, so that's part of it. Yeah, but it doesn't. Ex- that definitely doesn't excuse. Like, it doesn't really excuse it because, like, the first one was like a pretty routine play that he just. Yeah, like, that that was the whole thing. That first one was a routine play that he should have made. And it. then the second one was like it was a tough play, but he like had it in his glove already. And yeah. it just, like, popped out. And you're just like, no, you had it. Come on. Hold um, on to it. Uh, yeah, that was just, that was awful. That was that just game. an entirely frustrating inning to watch. And it was, that was one of those, like, I mean, obviously they have since, and, and it started, like, a, a five-game losing streak, too. Let's let's yeah. keep that in mind. Like, the Mets went on a pretty bad skid after that. Um, and they, that was only broken by yesterday's victory over the Orioles. But they had a five-game losing streak before that. Um, so it was pretty bad and like you know during the five game losing streak so starting with the the double header sweep on Sunday up until you know last night it kind of felt like the season was basically over but like 
it's weird this year because it's like you feel these like and it's kind of, this is how baseball is normally but I feel like you, you like feel it even more this year like things like things feel like season defining moments and it's like it feels like the season's over but the Mets are still in it like yeah if, almost every team is in it because this season is so weird there are so few games the National League has an insane amount of parity it's basically the Dodgers and everyone else and like the Mets still have I think like even after the five game losing streak, they had like almost a 50 50 chance to make the playoffs still, which is crazy. And it's entirely possible for them to do. Yep. Oh my gosh. Standings right now. I mean, I know that let's say, I know that the Phillies are in second. Um, It's the Braves, the Phillies. I believe the Marlins are sitting at 500 500. right now, the Mets and then the nationals. Yeah. So the Mets are six games out of first. So they're kind of like, uh, th- like it's it'd be pretty hard for them to catch the Braves at this point, but they're like really close to a wild card still because the because so many freaking teams are making the playoffs this year. That, that is, is it. Is it a three game set or a four game set against the Phillies this weekend? It's three games. Okay. Yeah. So the Mets are one and a half games out of a wild card spot right now. So right now, three NL East teams are in playoff position. You've got the Braves who are first place in the NL East, but then the Phillies and the Marlins both sit in wild card position right now. Um, and the Mets are one and a half games behind the Marlins. So it's it's crazy. and see the and the other thing is the Phillies and the Marlins have not played as many games as the Mets have. That's right. the other thing. Like That's the right. Ma- the Marlins have played 32 games. The Phillies have played 33 and the Mets have played 38. This is also So stupid. Oh man. Oh my god. So um, the whole the whole the, the scheduling is just a mess. I mean like in the whole like if you look at the National League, in the whole National League really the only team that's like truly eliminated well not still not mathematically i'm not talking about like actually even if they win out they won't um but the only team where it would be like really difficult even if they went on a run to see them making the playoffs is the pirates that's basically it every other team is in they're 10 games back wow the standings i mean the pirates are 10 games out of first they're six games out of a wild card like that's pretty tough at this point yeah Nats are getting there the Nats have played really terribly um the Nats are nine and a half the the Nats are the second worst team in the National League right now um, I mean, I think I think that the the Strasburg having carpal tunnel yeah, is gonna yeah, he did them in. Yeah, is gonna yeah has done them in. Yeah, um, Max Scherzer can only carry that team so much. What's the status of that Nats Phillies game? I know it was tied. Again. Uh, it, they, it's ended. I think who won? Phillies won. Phillies won six five. Damn, they yeah. came back and won. Um, they did. Who was who was pitching that game? Out of curiosity, it was it was Wheeler. I thought no 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 Wheeler beat Scherzer the other day. Um, no, I meant, I meant, oh, wait, McCutcheon, I forgot, I keep forgetting McCutcheon's on the Phillies. It sucks, doesn't it? Oh, McCutcheon needs to not be on teams I don't like. Agree. Good take. (laughs) McCutcheon does need to be on teams, does not need to be on teams I don't like. It's true. Um, so yeah, it's like crazy. The NL is like, has a crazy amount of parity. The American League's a little different. It's kind of shaping up to be the same as it kind of would be in a normal baseball season where like a a few teams are actually like eliminated at this point, more or less. Um, and a few teams are running away with like the top seeds. Um, but the National League is just a hot mess. And so like everyone's in it more or less. Um, 
And so the Mets, like, you know, this this series against the Phillies is really big. Like, yes, it is. It's really big this weekend. Um, Like if the Mets sweep, like they could be in playoff position very easily um, Mm -hmm. coming out of that series. So, like, you know, it's like the big swings can happen really late because of the way the nature of this season. So, you know, it is. Oh, and it's a home series. Yay. Mm -hmm, Yep. It sure is. So hopefully, and we've got some fun pitching matchups. Um, we've got, especially Nola versus Degrom is going to be, yeah, stuff. Um, so that's the Sunday game. But um, they've Ooh, got. Is it, oh wait, it might be, is it a four Sunday. game series? Because it might be Labor Day. Wait, yeah, I was gonna say I think it might be a four game. I, that's why I was yeah, asking because it's a it's a holiday weekend. Schedule. Um, give me a schedule, please. Yeah, it is a four game series. You're right. Yes. I am dumb and wrong. Um oh the Fair reason enough. why in my brain I only thought about three games is because the Mets haven't named their pitcher for Monday yet, but they've named their <laughs> pitcher for yeah. Well that's that's the state of Mets it's pitching. It's Monday right now. TBD still, but I think okay, so I think the Friday game is Arietta Porcello, and then I think it's Lugo versus it's the Phillies rookie. What's his name? Mm. Hang on, where's this is September. We're in September. Okay. Um It's the Philly it's the Phillies rookie. I, I know his name. It's like escaping me at this time. Um I I literally Howard. I, Howard, is, that's his name. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know any names from like anybody on any other team right now. I just have not like Spencer I'm Howard? very, very badly Spencer? behind on my baseball knowledge this season. Just due to yeah, personal Spencer issues. Howard. That's right. He was he's like a prospect. Um and then, then, and then Sunday the Sunday is game is and then the Sunday game Nola is Grom Nola. Grom. Chef's kiss. And then the Monday game is Wheeler for the Wheeler Phillies. versus T B D. That Wheeler great versus pitcher T B D. Yeah. Um TBD and you know that Wheeler's probably gonna kick the Mets ass again, so probably should try to win some of those first Jesus. three games he's 4-0 with a 2.20 era yeah he hmm. is he's been like the mvp of my damn fantasy team I, I i drafted him on purpose i was like you know what because wheeler's not on the mets anymore he's gonna be like a cy young contender now um no i mean oh, God, was, okay. not that I he wasn't good Grom's era though so i'm okay yep. except it, his era is 1.76 but of course he's got a 2-1 record yep <sighs> as you do um so i that- guess i think the final Mets note that we have that we haven't touched on yet is and actually a good segue to this that I didn't have in my notes but kind of popped up is like if you read Jeff and Fred Wilpon's statement which I will do not the not the statement about Brody Van Wagenen but they also released a statement about the death of Tom Seaver one moment I'm gonna go to the Mets because I know that they posted it on their Twitter yeah Um, Just a comparison of Fred and Jeff Wilpon's statement about Tom Seaver's death versus Steve Cohen's statement about Tom Seaver's death. One moment. It's just, it it was pretty striking to me just how, okay, so here we are. Um, Fred and Jeff Wilpon, joint statement about Tom Seaver's death. We are devastated to learn of the 
of the passing of Mets legend and baseball hall of famer Tom Seaver. Tom was nicknamed the franchise and Tom terrific because of how valuable he truly was to our organization and our loyal fans as his number 41 was the first player number to be retired by the organization in 1988. He was simply the greatest Mets player of all time and among the best to ever play the game which culminated with his near unanimous induction into the baseball hall of fame in 1992. Beyond the multitude of awards, records, accolades, World Series championship, all-star appearances, and just overall brilliance, we will always remember Tom for his passion and devotion to his family, the game of baseball, and his vineyard. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife, Nancy, daughter, Sarah, and Anne, and four grandsons, Thomas, William, Henry, and Tobin. Now, I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm not saying, like, anything there is bad. But, like, I think it was Dave. I'll give Dave Capobianco of Amazing Avenue credit. I think he said in Amazing Avenue Slack, it sounds like a book report. Which I think yeah. is like a really apt way to describe that. Um, it was. It's very disconnected. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like a book. Like he's named the franchise because he was good in a Mets uniform. Beyond all his accolades, he also did X, Y, Z. Like they just like listed off his accomplishments and like didn't really convey like the intangible meaning that he has to Mets fans. And it just wasn't like it was devoid of like passion and emotion. That said, were they ever the owners or even minority owners when Seaver was on the team? Not no, that I'm giving them a pass for this, but so. I don't think so. No. So they might not have, I don't know. I'm gonna look well, we know Fred's a Dodgers fan. I don't think fans, they bought the so... Mets until like the, thousands, the like early 1000s. They've been the owners for my like entire fandom, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, they were. I know they were minority owners in the eighties. Yeah, but they were my. Yeah, they became, were minority. And then owners. majority owners, shared majority owners. Yeah, in two thousand two, the Wilpon family purchased. Overlapped. In two thousand two, the Wilpon family purchased the remaining fifty percent of the Mets from Doubleday. So that was 2002. So that's what I was thinking of. I was like, oh, the early thousands. That's when they became like full owners. Um, but anyhow. But I know they were, they became shared, I think, majority owners in the 80s. Because I just remember that video of them trying to find yeah. Fred Wilpon. In, in 86 of them trying to find Fred Wilpon after they won the World Series. And I'm just wondering if there was any overlap of when Seaver was on the team. No. No. Yeah. Um, so now you have Steve Cohen's statement about Tom Seaver. When I was in high school and college, getting to watch Tom Seaver pitch was one of the greatest thrills you could you could have at a Mets game. To this day, I still want Qualls to ground out instead of lofting one into left center to ruin Seaver's perfect game. The fans gave him a standing ovation. He deserves it. He deserved it, and he still deserves it. The game was imperfect, but the man was the perfect Met. Tom, Tom terrific. Our hearts go out to the Seaver family. So, like, Steve Cohen sounds way more like a human being. Yeah. Than the Wilpons do. And I think it's just striking. And like that sort of like segues into our final, you know, no Mets note of the day, which is the ownership situation, um, you know, amidst all of this craziness. Um, what also happened is that we got news that Steve Cohen had has entered, quote, exclusive negotiations to purchase the Mets, which basically I mean, it doesn't mean that the sale is final by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I think. The Wilpons have gotten literally this close to selling the team a couple yep. of different times. Um, where they've gotten they were down this of, year before the pandemic hit. Yeah, literally. I, with I Steve feel like Cohen. they were at this point. They were kind of at this point, but but 
we're at the point where the other the other potential bidders are all like out and Steve Cohen's the only one left standing. So like the A Rod J Lo group, the um the, the Harrison, the, I forget that yeah, other guy's the, the Devils, Devils Sixers group. guy, um the the other like random British rich guys also not in it anymore. <laughs> um so yeah, so we're at the point where it's Steve Cohen or nothing. Um and so you know, I mean it it does feel more real this time than it kind of has ever felt. Um but we'll see what happens. Um but you know again, I, mean, I have I have my own speculations, but I am holding all of my thoughts until the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. <laughs> Probably a smart thing to do. Just um, because like I'm seeing so many premature celebrations and I'm just like, Oh my God, you're like tempting fate here. Everybody's tempting fate. I and think celebrating is premature, even if it like fully goes through because like, yes, I think I that agree. People, people are making a lot of assumptions about what Steve Collins going to be like as an owner. But yeah. I, I just am scared that they're going to be disappointed. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that nothing's going to change. It's all going to be awful. I'm just saying that we don't know yet. Like, just because know. he's... Just because he has a lot of money and is a fan of the team, um, we don't know how he's going to spend. I mean, we're assuming he's going to spend more money. We are hoping he's going to spend more money. Um, it'd be nice. I don't know. We'll see. Again, yeah. I have a lot of speculation, but it depends on, A, if this deal gets signed i actually have thoughts on him and who gets elected in november um and he had because he also has um and he also has a bunch of uh sexual harassment suits against his investment firm i believe right now or um i don't remember exactly if they're harassment they're they're just sexual harassment sexual harassment yeah okay suits i couldn't remember if it was harassment or Assault. To be clear, it's against his firm, not against him personally. Him. But still, yeah. when, you know, like... When you're running it. When it happens on your watch, you've created an, a certain environment, um, yes. is all I'll say about that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and we don't know how those are going to turn out, but because they aren't against him and because he escaped going to jail for his, like, insider trading stuff, like... The, the first o- go-around. He, he's going to be allowed to buy the team. He already has the votes apparently according to reports because of course he does because all the slimy owners are gonna be like yeah sure this guy um worth noting though i think um aside from the steve cohen stuff the other thing that i feel like that kind of came out that like went under the radar with this ownership stuff is that a-rod and j-lo's group a big reason why they kind of like other than the fact that they like didn't bid as much as Steve Cohen. And I think that like the risk, there was like a higher risk of Steve Cohen not getting approved by the other owners because of like his shadiness than there was for the A-Rod group. But the A-Rod group was going to have like way more owners, like way more minority owners involved because like they don't have the money on their own and they didn't bid enough. So that's like part of why they lost out. But the other part was that like A-Rod like, gave a lot of like really weird quotes about how Jeff Lunau was giving him all this advice and it was yeah like, that was that's really not a great look yep yep and it was very clear that he was <laughs> yeah. gonna like bring yeah. Lunau yeah. in to McKinsey the Mets and like he like Lunau was gonna like basically be the GM which is insane really yeah 
Really? Like, really, A-Rod? It's insane, which is insane. Like, and like, you know, like, I think that Rob Manfred, for once he's right, sees that as like a workaround of like his ban. Like, I'm just going to be GM of another team instead. And even, even, it's just, it was such a bad look on so many levels. Like, the the one guy you talk to is the guy who's banned from baseball. And and got in trouble for cheating. Like, come on. That's like, really? And I I, I won't lie. I was kind of hoping that the A-Rod group surprisingly, surprisingly, I felt this way, um, would, would win the bidding just because... We know A-Rod's troubles. They're a known quantity. Um, but I also saw a lot of potential with them, especially in player development in Latin America. Um, but obviously that's not happening. But like the whole thing with Jeff Lonhow and, oh my God, just how he, all of his issues that I thought like he had gotten kind of gotten past in a way, the whole th- the whole steroid scandal, him trashing baseball, which I'm actually that probably would have been a speed bump for him too with the owners. Um, that all of that cropped up again when he started talking with Jeff Leno. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how to pronounce his last name, and honestly, he's a now, cheater, so I don't care. <laughs> is kind of how you say it, but whatever. Leno. It had been out. It had already been like out that. A-Rod was, like, seeking Lunau's counsel in the whole, like, purchasing of the Mets and things like that, um, and that he had a relationship with him. Like, I think that that was, you know, that was already out there in the public. But what we learned sort of this week is that that sort of soured the Wilpons on the deal, I think, um, is what the new sort of side of the reporting is on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, where where's the actual article? I'm going back. Report A-Rod's connection to ex-Astros GM Lunau helped kill Mets bid. <sighs> so that's the actual, you know. Now, A-Rod's saying, like, he wasn't planning on naming him GM, but I think that they got cold feet about it because they were like, well, even if you aren't straight up naming him GM, like, how much is he going to be involved in you running this team? Um, so, so, yeah. So, like, that and, you know, like them not having that group not because it was clear that that group was kind of the other major player i think besides yeah. steve cohen and like so a combination of that and the, the group not having enough money by themselves the way steve cohen can just like write a check for 2.5 billion dollars and be like here you go um on his own uh i think the combination of those two things is what made steve cohen be the you know the clear winner or allowed yes. to enter into ne- exclusive negotiations despite the fact that he has these black marks on his record both in form of uh sexual harassment cases against his firm and financial crimes um but you know like we've said on the podcast in the past like obviously i don't feel great about those things don't get me wrong but nobody becomes a billionaire who is you know a good person really (laughs) so you know well nobody comes to bill well nobody comes yeah nobody comes wow oh my god i can't speak tonight (laughs) um Nobody becomes a billionaire without hurting some people along the way. Yep, exactly. So that's where we're at with the Mets. <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. Wolfons are selling the team. Crazy was, roller coaster ride with the Yankees series. Where Pete got his first walk off home run. I completely forgot it was his first one. It was. It was. Yay! It was. And that's the rally alert on MLB.com. Alonzo mashes first career walk off homer. Yay! 
And I'd like to finish off the segment by also pointing out that because this was a makeup game from August, today's game was the last game that counted for dollars for dingers because we said at the outset of when the Mets got the, when Mets had the whole like coronavirus thing happen that you know caused them to miss a few games during August. Um, we had established that the policy for dollars for dingers was going to be any of the games that were made up that were supposed to be in August, we're going to count toward the final total. And so this was the last of those. And it ended on a walk-off home run and Dollars for Dingers 2019 ended on a Dominic Smith walk-off homer to end the season. Ugh. So for the second straight season, Dollars for Dingers ended on a walk-off homer, which just is chef's kiss good it's so great i'm so happy um and i think i have to go through the spreadsheet and i'm gonna make tweets on the um on the on the pato twitter account so like keep an eye out for that with like the final totals and everything like that i just have to check my math on the spreadsheet i think i've been keeping the count correctly but i before i tweet it out i want to make sure but i'm pretty sure by the time i do all the math and all the calculations we're going to be up over two thousand dollars in pledges so that's fantastic floored like that we even reached that total given the fact that we couldn't have like a full event and everything like that. Um, so keep an eye out for the final totals that I'll tweet out. And I'll also send um, individual messages either via Twitter or email um, to each individual person who pledged just to tell you what your pledged dollar amount is um, as calculated by the base number of home runs plus whatever extras you put in, like an extra $10 per Grand Slam. Or I know some people put, um, you know, extra money for their favorite players. Like Linda put extra $2.80 per J.D. Davis home run, obviously. Oh, geez. Obviously, um, I have to pay a little extra tonight. Yep, she had to pay a little extra tonight. <laughs> um, she knows. Um, trust me, Linda knows all about the events of this game, everyone. Yes. Um, so despite the fact that she's on vacation. So um, I'm going to like run through all those totals and I'm going to send individualized messages to each person about what their like pledge total is. Not as like, a, you know, that I'm babysitting you. We're still doing the honor system with the pledges. You don't have to send us any proof. If you want to, you can send us a screenshot just to be like, look at this. Um, cool. We accept that. And we'll be very happy to see your screenshots of your pledges, of your donations to wherever you choose to donate. But we're not babysitting you on it. I'm just sending you the messages to make it easier for you so that you don't have to do the math yourself yourself um so any person who pledged if you gave me your contact info either your twitter handle or your email address or whatever i will send you an individualized message um with your pledge total um so that's coming in the coming days and then that will be followed by logistics for our virtual um dollars for dingers you know wrap up event where we'll do the drawings for all the prizes and everything like that um we just have to pick a date and work out like zoom virtual logistical details um it'll probably be hosted by my zoom and we'll do a live podcast during it it'll be a grand old time so look out for details um on our twitter account for that and we'll probably make a post on the site as well once we have a date um so that's all forthcoming um but in the meantime i'm very excited about that (laughs) yes i can't wait um but in the meantime speaking of walking things off um we will finish the show with walk off wins uh like we do every week where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise so kellyanne healy what is your walk off win for this week so mine is both baseball and not baseball related i finally saw my best friend today like after since this whole pandemic started and a lot has happened to both of us but we both sat down and got to watch part of the baseball game together 
Um, she's a Yankees fan. I'm a Mets fan. So of course there was a lot of like ribbing going on between us. Um, <laughs> but it was just so good to see her cause she's been through a lot lately and just to hang out with her was amazing. And she just had some major surgery that went very well. So I want to give a shout out to my best friend, Colleen, cause she also just discovered this podcast tonight. Um, Yay! And if Hi, she Colleen. makes it, if she makes it through, if you can stand listening to the Mets for, what are we up to in time? Like almost an hour now. <laughs> oh, almost an hour now. An hour. Um, yes. Um, if you made it this far, Colleen, I'm sh- making a shout out to you. So, you are my walk off home, uh, walk off win this week. Yay, Colleen! Being able to watch a Yankees Mets game with you was fun. I bet. Um, Especially so my- since the Mets won. <laughs> 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 I have um, to troll her. I had to throw that in. Um, so my walk up win is kind of a similar um, vein in that um, I got to see one of my closest friends um, last weekend um, for the first time since I think also since the pandemic started. I think the last time I had seen her was her birthday in December. Um, so um, we uh, she's getting married, um, and obviously, like like all brides during this craziness she had to make some really tough choices about her wedding um and she is delaying her um reception until next year she's doing what a lot of people have done which is that they're doing like you know a small ceremony with just like the closest family and friends um a very small group and then doing the full reception next year which is what she's doing but this past weekend was her bachelorette party um which we did a smaller again it was like a smaller version of what was originally planned like originally was supposed to be like the entire bridal party plus like a few extra folks it was going to be like 15 people but it was just five of us um all in the bridal party um and we went up to the finger lakes and did a winery tour with wine tastings and it was just it was just lovely it was lovely um and i missed her a lot and i was like really happy i got to see her that's Um, so good so yeah, it was it was super lovely. I really enjoyed it. Um, bought several bottles of wine that are now in my apartment. I actually uh, was telling Kellyanne, I was like, I've had two glasses of wine, which you may wine or may is not never be able, a bad thing. Which you may or may not be able to sense listening to this podcast that I've had a couple <laughs> glasses of wine, but it was one of the bottles of wine that I got at the Finger Lakes, and it was delicious. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was really nice to just like, you know, it it was like a sense it was like a, a brief taste of normalcy I guess I'll yes. put it before like coming crashing back down to reality where it's like oh yeah like this isn't over but I could like kind of like and I realize that this is like kind of a privileged position but I could kind of like put myself in a bubble for a little bit for my own mental health yes. to like you know allow myself to have fun because like I hadn't even like outdoor dined like I had barely like I outdoor dined when I visited my brother in Vermont where they have like three cases of coronavirus but like I hadn't like since moving to DC I haven't outdoor dined like at all Um, I was gonna say I haven't outdoor dined at all since this started either so yeah I did it one time for my 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 mom's birthday in late June we did it in New Jersey we we outdoor dined one time and that was the first time I had outdoor dined and then like a couple weeks later we went up to Vermont and because there are like no cases there we outdoor dined twice but then like I it was almost like I started outdoor dining but then I stopped again because I moved to a city where there's a lot more cases um and so I didn't really feel comfortable and I'm still not outdoor dining. I'm like barely leaving my apartment. And so it was nice to just like, you know, get away for a weekend. Um, 
and you know the finger lakes the cases are a lot lower than they are down here um so I, it felt okay i mean there were a couple not, moments where i was like oh, this person's near me <laughs> but um otherwise it was fine yeah I mean, and I think if P- any, any person can take like advantage of that, kind of just take a breath and take a step back if they're able to, um, they should. Yep. yep. Just because I think we all need it because th- we're all going through this together. Some, some of us are in, in better positions than others, but I mean taking time for mental health and self-care is always an important thing. I think no matter who you are. Yeah. So it's really nice. It was just like, Oh yeah, this it's is just really nice. And I'm like happy that you got to enjoy that. This is what it's like That's to wonderful. just like have a glass of wine with your friends and hang yes. out something that I haven't just done. Ha- yeah. Just hang out. just hang out with your friends period. Exactly. And so, yeah, we're, I'm really, ha- and most importantly, she had a good time, which is the yes. most important thing. That's um, excellent. You know, and she's been obviously like every couple that's getting married or like was planning on getting married this year. She's been insanely stressed out with everything and evaluating risk versus moving forward. And so I don't envy being in that position. And so, you know, um, I'm happy that she was able to like, you know, let go of that for a weekend and have fun. So congratulations, Amanda. I'm so excited for your wedding and for the reception next year. Both are going to be fabulous in their own ways. And I yeah, congratulations. We've never met, but I'm saying congratulations anyway. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that does it for the show this week. It was a very Mets-laden episode. Hopefully things will, maybe things will calm down, but you never know. It's the Mets. Um, but in the meantime, we have we've we've we're covering all of that and more over at AmazingAvenue.com. We've yes. got Tom Seaver content galore for you guys. Like Kellyanne mentioned earlier in the show, we have a post up um, where you can share your favorite Tom Seaver memory with the community. We obviously have the news post of his passing um, and there's more content to come. There's the 10 greatest games he ever threw, which I think is up now. Um, um maybe not. no oh yes it is oh fantastic this is his 10 greatest games there's other content um i'm i i reposted at least on my twitter the piece that i wrote originally back in 2019 for the site when he was diagnosed um when he was first diagnosed with dementia i wrote it like kind of a piece about tom Seaver's legacy and what he means to the franchise i've reposted that on my twitter so that is something you can read um but yeah i'm obviously amidst all of that we still have news game recaps all Mets morning news every day all the stuff so go to amazingavenue.com yes lots of comments on it too come join me in the comments section come hang out with Kelly in the comments section it's a rip-roaring good time um so yeah go to amazingavenue.com your one-stop shop for all Mets stuff um subscribe to our entire Amazing Avenue audio suite of shows um Amazing Avenue audio the show Complex of Queens unformidable all fantastic shows check them all out rate and review the show on uh, itunes stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcasts subscribe rate and review um follow us on the social medias amazing avenue (laughs) is on twitter facebook and instagram at amazing avenue the show is on twitter at a pot of their own you will be seeing kellyanne's tweets from the show twitter she'll take it over one of these days do live game tweets which which we love to do check out the twitter for all of the details on the dollars for dingers total pledges and also for each individual um person's pledges and details about the virtual um prize drawing event you can check me out on twitter i am at petite bhd 
Um, Kellyanne's on Goodreads, so you should just friend her on Goodreads. Yes, you should. <laughs> I was going to say, guys, I'm not on Twitter anymore. I am staying away from Twitter until at least the end of the year, if not longer. Kellyanne (laughs) has quit the hell site. She's smarter than all of us. Um, But you should check her out on Goodreads. Um, The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.